organizers, they talking abolishing the police and this is they talking abolishing the police and this is they talking abolishing the police and this is Hello. Hey. This is Ergo. It is indeed. I'm Kiss. I'm Damon. And what we do here is showcase the folks reshaping the culture of Chicago and beyond for the more equitable and creative. How you doing there, Damon? Man, I'm still very much energized and excited by life and the world. I am like not functioning the best on like the body, physio- physiology, <laughs> physiology, whatever. Uh, but I'm decent. I'm decent. I'm, I'm grounded. I'm like proud and happy. I'm just like jittery. Let's get our jitters out uh, with this very special episode. So we have a special guest who we'll introduce in a second, but we just want to set up what's going to happen on Ergo over the next few weeks. This is the official kickoff to a suite of episodes focusing on abolition. Now, isn't that what we've been doing for five years? Yes, but this is it a little bit more explicitly. Uh, And the goal of this series is to provide some conversations that give the frameworks for when people say abolish policing, abolish prisons, what that means historically, what that means for our future, and what that can look like in this moment right now of uprising and reckoning. Um, So we're going to have some amazing guests over the next three weeks. Many of the people who have been at the intellectual and organizing forefronts of the movement toward abolition over the last few decades. Um, But today, we are excited to be launching this series by going through a set of concrete demands to defund CPD with a very special guest. So let's just go ahead and introduce this very special guest who we have on the line with us. A hell of a guest. Uh, an ergo fave at this point honestly <laughs> you might be the first person to come on the show three times in different all in different capacities asha ransby sporn is here blah, 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 blah. hey uh how, how do you feel about this ars thing i, I heard her mom say it and i'm really a fan of it and i i don't want to throw it out there if it's not like appropriate we could edit this out if you don't like it yeah sure um that's my initials. <laughs> I stand by them. Yeah. We got ARS in the building. <laughs> That's pretty good. I like that. An acronym, a, an initial acronym, doesn't always turn out well. But but you got it. What do you, Damon? You're Daw. Yeah. And I'm DBK. Okay, that's something. That's got a little ring, but I think ARS really puts that to yeah, shame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> ARS gets so, shit done. That's what I hear when I hear ARS. <laughs> oh yeah, that's an official, which is accurate. Yes. Um, like I said, it's a little bit of a different episode. Do you all want to give a, a little rundown of what we're here to do today? Yeah, I'm super excited. I, I really want to, you know, I'm really excited to talk to Asha about this. We are part of and helping to build the campaign to defund CPD. Um, and, you know, that is really just like the tangible container to really build out, you know, a, a people-based abolitionist movement that is both tangible, but also um, expansive. So, yeah. This is happening. It's happening really fast. We're figuring it out on the move. Uh, but, you know, Asha is just, you know, the per- person I admire and trust pretty much the most when it comes to a lot of these things. And so, you know, we've had our heads together. Uh, and so I want to talk about uh, where we are, you know, how the, the, the climate and the intensity of uprising and Black death has brought us to a real opportune time for organizing. And so, you know, what are you seeing? And then how did that lead to like what we have now on the ground here in Chicago? Yeah. Um, hello, by the big, way. <laughs> hello. Thank you for having me back. <laughs> I'm happy to be here. Um, you know, y'all are all right. I like talking talking with y'all. Um, 
yeah, so it has been a hell of a month. You know, I saw police cars on fire for the first time. <laughs> thousands and thousands of people have been in the streets um, and are still in the streets. And I think that, you know, heightened moments like this, I think w- what we've seen in Chicago over the past month could be described as an uprising. Um, and there have been uprisings all across the country, um, you know, really inspiring stuff in, in Minneapolis. Um, and that has just kind of spiraled out from there. Yeah. And I think moments like that, where we see lots and lots of people being mobilized into the into the streets and not just lots of them, but lots of people taking, you know, intense and escalated forms of action and calling for defunding the police um, at the same time is is really beautiful. It feels very radical and it feels like just really an exciting time to bring a lot more people into some of the stuff that uh, a lot of us have been talking about for a while. Yeah. So so that's that I think that really accurately describes where we are. So here in Chicago, two things kind of emerged in the last week. Uh, so one, it, it, the, the launching of the defund CPD campaign that had these very specific um, and extensive demands that kind of do a very intentional job of naming the structural parts of the Chicago Police Department that we should immediately address. Uh, but also, we hope it to be a container where we can talk more structurally at large about policing and incarceration um, and creating a, a, a body of people who feel comfortable and trained in participating in movement and grassroots movement. And so we're also launching these trainings that are happening 4th of July weekend. And so let's just talk a little bit about one, why we need people to show up, right? And, and, and what we hope to come out of that space. Yeah. Um, so I'm really excited about these trainings happening 4th of July weekend. There's going to be three of them, one on the north side, one on the west side, one on the south side. A lot of times we'll see big mobilizations where lots of people get out in the streets, um, maybe be activated for the first time. And then that kind of dissipates. And as organizers, we don't always have tools to like bring those people in. Um, and so I think these trainings are really just meant to harness a lot of that energy of people who've been out in the streets uh, whether it's for the first time or not, but who want to then really put our heads together and and there be a lot of us to to really push forward and try to see some wins around defund the police. You know, lots of other major cities and across the country have have seen wins or commitments from their their city leadership, um, and we have not seen that here in Chicago. And I think it's important that we build and and fill and drive containers to to try to make that happen. So yeah, the trainings are really just. Come learn about defund CPD. Let's get plugged into how we're going to actually fight for this locally. So the main purpose of this conversation right now is to get you, the person listening, to go to the link in the show notes right now and sign up for that training and then go do that training next weekend. So we'll keep podcasting, but that was really all we were here to do. So go ahead and click it. I would say we'd know if you don't. Um, we won't, but I will be disappointed. <laughs> um, so sign up for that training. Uh, make sure you attend. Um, and coming out of that, I want to just talk a little bit about once those people are trained, what we're, what we're moving into. Um, and Dame, you mentioned the, the set of demands. Uh, and so maybe it would be useful for us to talk through those demands and, and not just as individual pieces, but in the context of like, what does it take to frame abolition as a set of concrete demands? Um, so before we get to the first one, in putting those demands together, what did y'all learn about that process about like, what does it take to take these ideas and make them tangible in this way for people who haven't even necessarily thought about them at all, but especially not tangibly. Yeah. So just to name, you know, like I'm an abolitionist, right? I don't think that police or prisons 
or any of that should, should exist. And what I do think it should exist are like more institutions that are more funded, um, that actually do keep us safe, like, you know, quality, uh, and like care centered schools. Um, you know, I think that we need to like have relationships with our neighbors so we can keep each other safe. So it's all in line with kind of that vision. Um, there are some frameworks out there for kind of how to craft demands in, in line with abolition. And I think the idea is just like, we want to demand stuff that takes power away from the police. That doesn't give it more legitimacy, more money, not more tools, not more of them, but things that take all those things away. So I think that's kind of like the guiding framework for how we figure out how to, how to create abolitionist demands and how to actually defund the police department. And I think the process, um, it's, it's interesting in the space where some of this is coming out of more of the like the big picture stuff is where there's more like struggle or or time needed to be invested. Uh, but in terms of the, the demands, they, they actually came together pretty easily, which I think pulls out the, the lesson that when people are trying to talk to me about this moment, I'm really trying to push is that there has been a movement that has been building for six years consistently, right? We're like without gap, it may not have always been the at its highest point or the most impactful on like digital media platforms. Uh, but there has been consistent work, consistent campaigning, um, consistent organizing that has not stopped since 2014. And we could really trace it back to probably 2013, 2012, but at a certain heightened level for six straight years. Um, and so the demands were already there for us like we there was not too many things um in that space that like we had to create or really go outside of what was already within our lexicon or, or in our toolbox um and so i think that was really interesting to see you know there are these strategies and asha's really um proficient in explaining these strategies of like momentum building organizing and usually you know from what i'm learning about it it's like a year or two of of preparation work and we have like five or six also something that's significant about why these demands came out as they were uh is because there's so much movement happening like literally on like a day-to-day week-to-week level in positions of power um, and there's people looking for black leadership and for the people who have created this political space um, to like make it tangible. So, you know, there are actual city council, there are actual CPS board education meetings that are happening in this summer through the fall. Um, And so, you know, we want to create the space to talk about all of it, but there also was some immediacy and some rapid response to like just the political opportunity. Cause as we were seeing in other spaces overnight, there were things that were happening. And so just trying to help bring some direction to just like the political chaos right now. Y'all want to jump into the demands? Let's do it. Sure. All right. Who want, who, anyone want to read number one? Yeah. So just to like frame it is like the big picture demand is to defund the Chicago police department until it's gone. (laughs) And these are all pieces of how we see that happening. First. And I also say that like some of this is like within the immediate. So we demand that city council defund CPD by 75% at the November budget sessions and invest those funds into non-carceral social services and community programs. The Chicago police department has $1.8 billion dollars. Um, and, and that's way too much money at the same time as like at every twist and turn communities get told there's no money for mental health services. There's no money for housing. There's no money for schools in black neighborhoods. Um, and yet they consistently have money for the police department. So 
this is where we see the money for all the things we need coming from. And so it's not only an investment in the obvious things that exist, right? But it's also, we need those resources to create the systems that do not yet exist that we need. Um, so one of the points that I'm trying to like really pull out, particularly around the conversation around Chicago communal violence is that obviously we know that these are tragedies, right? And it is the inadequacy of policing that creates this environment, right? So you see these very flat, like sports statistics type news stories of a hundred people got shot. Um, and then it's framed as if that is evidence for further investment into policing. And I view it as evidence of the failure of policing that we keep investing in the cause when we see the responses or when we see the effects, right? So we see the effects of this failed militaristic environment. And then we say, Hey, let's invest more into the cause. Uh, and so when we obviously need schools, housing, mental health facilities, uh, but we also need a new emergency response network to address harm and address violence more restoratively and in a transformative way. And that's what those resources should do. And we're seeing that happening in other cities where like just immediately there are other numbers to call with other people who show up. All right. Number two. Number two, we demand immediate CPD budget cuts, including stops on new hiring, weapons purchases, and firing cops with multiple misconduct complaints. Yeah. So these are just things that the city can do immediately uh, to try to start reducing the police budget. All right. Asha? Yeah. So the third demand, we demand that city council pass CPAC, including that it ultimately serves to disband the Chicago Police Department and decreases CPD's budget by an annual percentage until all cops are gone. Um, And CPAC is just um, something that folks have been fighting for for a really long time. Uh, but it would be an elected civilian accountability body that would have, you know, the power to to make decisions and hold uh, the Chicago Police Department accountable in different ways. And so that's something folks have been fighting for for a very long time. And we do not have any legitimate body that that really has the power to hold police accountable in any way in, in the city of Chicago. And. and- and many times, at least not in this moment, but before, the response has been, well, there is an accountability board, uh, COPA. Anyone who sat in one of those meetings can see the violence of that board. And including when, you know, I think most of our experience, I would imagine for the three of us of being in that, is when it was run by our current mayor and seeing, like, not just the shortcomings, but the way that that physical space and, like, quote, accountability infrastructure is built to not do that. Um, really highlights like the the need for and why people have been fighting for CPAC for so long. All right, number four. I'll just do four and five real quick. We demand CPD out of CPS. We demand CPD off CTA and out of other public institutions. Boom. So we're recording this the day after the Chicago uh, school board voted, uh, which is an appointed school board, voted along a four to three vote to not cancel the contract, the $33 million contract with CPD, which obviously is disappointing, but the organizing, one, is not over, and two, really made this a conversation that was really different from in in past moments. Also, like that school board pretty much just rubber stamps everything, 7-0. So the fact that this was something that was 4-3 to is uh, in many ways like a huge win and a big push as this fight continues that like, you know, they just needed one more person and that contract would have been canceled yesterday. Yeah. And I just feel like one thing that's super important with the CPD out of CPS fight to lift up is like that fight is being led by young people who are CPS students um, and not in a like token. They're just on the mic way, but they're like truly, truly leading that fight um, and just, you know, deserve credit for it. And it's really beautiful. 
Anything you want to add about the public institutions piece? Fuck the police. Get them out of everywhere. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, like we talk about, you know, the the mass incarceration, the prison industrial complex or, you know, whatever you call it. But there's all of these institutions that work with police and give them legitimacy. Um, they should be serving the people. So, um, yeah, it's really just about cutting those ties. It depends on the definition of public. But does, does that when in this, does that mean like like other parts of the like the state or, or does that mean um, like places that purport to serve the public, like a museum or something like that. Yeah. I mean, I think primarily, you know, we, you would start with park districts, libraries, um, and also hospitals, even though, you know, our public health system is, uh, pretty divested. So there's not a lot of public hospitals left. Um, <laughs> but, but the idea that, you know, there are people, uh, who will risk their lives or, or not seek immediate emergency medical attention because they have a warrant or because there is surveillance, um, in the space of health and, and, and medical care. Um, and so, you know, in addition to CTA, which is hyper police, particularly in, in black and brown, uh, neighborhoods, uh, but, you know, I think libraries, park districts, uh, and also medical facilities. Word. Number six. We demand a stop to the West Garfield Park Cop Academy. No Cop Academy. That's, clear as day if you want more info on that listen to our debbie southorn episode also just look up no cop academy it has been a multi-year push uh to not build a hundred million dollar facility in garfield park which when you look at how they're leveraging it can be closer to a billion dollars than a hundred million yikes well just for an act of journalistic integrity what do you mean by that dana uh that it is not being paid for directly out of city revenue they're taking out bonds and and debt um and that's going to have interest rates that uh benefits uh financiers and and you know the banking industry or equity um and once you pay out the totality of the interest it creeps up closer to a a, a billion dollars because the 95 million was actually a preliminary number and it, it increased much higher in terms of what it costs. And then that's not going to, that's going to be paid for the same way. A lot of the, the house, the Chicago public schools were defunded uh, through these bonds and through these leverage interactions with finance uh, that really hurts the public. All right. Number seven. Uh, we demand that the CPD decommission the racist and arbitrary gang database and eliminate the criminal enterprise database. So there's a Erase the Gang database campaign um, that's been going on for some years now, but essentially there is something called the Gang Database in Chicago. One out of every 10 Black people in the city of Chicago are on this gang database. The ways that you get put on it are not very transparent, but we know that they are very arbitrary. It could be you got in trouble in school and a teacher wrote up um, an incident report and checked that you were new people who are in a gang. It could be you got stopped by police officers um, and they wrote it in some thing that they wrote up. Um, it's not even just through arrest. So it's really arbitrary and it it subjects people to unnecessary surveillance um, and, and other forms of just heightening the criminalization of, of black and brown people in the city of Chicago. They also um, share information with ICE so it can be used as a justification for deportation. It's just really terrible. There's people as young as like 10 years old that are on this gang database and as old as like 100. And there's like hundreds of thousands of people on it, right? Between between the databases. Yeah. Chicago only has like 2 million people. That's like an enormous percentage of the city that's, yeah. All right, number eight. 
we demand the closure of Home and Square and other CPD black sites. That's obviously very tied into to things that we've been involved in. Dame, you want to give any any Freedom Square context or other black site context? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think folks who are familiar with the show would be familiar with, you know, in 2016, we did a six-week occupation across uh, from this facility and initially uh, was not demanding the closure uh, or the end to the practice. It was a a space um, to uplift, you know, other campaigns, to end racist ordinance, to support policing and to, you know, criminalize protest against police. Uh, But being in that space and engaging with the community that lives near there, um, it became clear the depths of the the human rights violation and the tragedy that the space has been for North Lawndale, the West Side, the city at large. Um, and it's also been clear that there's a space in in Inglewood and other facilities throughout the city that are not known, um, that are not police stations where people are being he- held illegally without access to legal protection, lawyers being able to call their families, being disappeared for hours and sometimes days, an international human rights violation. And it is common practice in the Chicago Police Department. Uh, so you want to do nine? Oh, sure. Uh, We demand city council cease all negotiations with the Fraternal Order of Police. Um, The FOP is the police, in air quotes, union. Um, (laughs) But it doesn't function like a typical labor union. Um, You know, it's a a violent white supremacist organization um, that fights to absolve police officers from accountability when they do violent things to people. And yet we just don't see it as a legitimate uh, labor union. There is a amazing article uh, in the Chicago Reader in the last couple of weeks talking about the rise of police unions and the connection between uh, police and organized labor. And basically, it has it's fairly recent. And that move toward uh, framing it as a union came out of police officers figuring out how to not be held accountable for uh, misconduct and brutality complaints. Um, so it wasn't in solidarity with other workers. It was, here's a mechanism for us to shield ourselves from accountability. And we've already seen other cities uh, expel uh, F, uh, expel police unions from the cities, like uh, union coalitions. Um, and we've seen some folks here already with SEIU calling for that to happen. So this would be a really important step to delegitimize that as even being thought of as part of unions. Um, because what we know is that the history of police, especially in Chicago, has been deeply, deeply anti-labor, anti-working, uh, and has been instrumental in the dismantling of huge portions of the labor movement. That's like my new my new bag is understanding like what happened to, to labor, it seems like. <laughs> and a lot of it is that um, all right. Number 10. We demand a stop to asset forfeiture, ending CPD's ability to seize people's property. Um, this is something that doesn't get talked about a lot. We usually only name like the extreme uh, physical forms of abuse and violence. Uh, but pretty much every time I get I interact with the Chicago Police Department, particularly if I'm in a vehicle, they threaten to impound my car. Um, and, and, it, and it is a, a common practice. I don't have the numbers of the 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 amount of revenue that comes from this, but it but it is a a disproportionate tax and fine on black and poor people. And it ruins people's lives. So many people lose access to childcare, to, to work uh, because their transportation is taken. And also people's homes can be, be um, seized as well. And so this isn't just a, you know, a direct extraction from community and from people. Um, for reference, according to the Chicago Reader, since 2009, CPD has seized a whopping $72 million in cash and property using civil forfeiture and used a large portion of it without any public oversight to purchase controversial surveillance equipment. So that's directly like stealing from people and then using it to buy surveillance equipment with no oversight. 
And that's the other thing I remember seeing that firsthand when we were doing Freedom Square is that's the other thing that happens in that building, right? Is people trying to get their their property back, whether that's cell phone, whether that's car keys. Um, and there's all kinds of ways that that's made harder to the point that they aren't able to collect it in time. And then it becomes the property of the police. Um, so that's just like direct extraction. And it's what funds a lot of rural police departments is is stopping people and taking their things. And, and this problem isn't about money, right? But money is a way to articulate it or make it pretty clear. So to also add, right, just the total investment of resources that is going into this system. So we have this 1.7, sometimes people call it rounded up to two, but this 1.7, $1.8 billion investment. But then there's so much resources that go on top of that. So then there's the CPS contract, there's these seizures and and forfeitures. There's also foundation money. Police gets a a lot of grants um, and and nonprofit uh, investment as well. So there's just our society at large is putting billions and billions of dollars into militarism and torture. All right. Last one. Asha, you want to finish it off? Sure. So we demand that public and private institutions that defend Black lives immediately cut ties with CPD and disband their private police and surveillance firms. Um, So I think really what we're trying to say with this one is like if institutions see them, you know, in this moment, there's corporations, universities, all kinds of, you know, large organizations saying things, saying Black Lives Matter or kind of vague statements that they support black communities um, or are against racism, but they have private police forces like the University of Chicago, which has the second largest private police force in the world, which is wild and doesn't just police the the campus area, but like a large swath of the South side uh, with little oversight. And so this is really just drawing that line in the sand that as an institution, you can't say that you defend or care about black people. Uh, if you are collaborating with the police departments um, and or uh, operating your own private police forces. So just wanted to to name again that there is some specificity and even some density in, in this list of demands. But that was intentional to respond to this moment where defund the police is becoming now a popular chant and is in conversation in like mainstream news. And now like elected officials are having to have conversation around what does it mean to defund the police and it being separated from abolition. And what does abolition mean? Um, just to give folks, you know, tangible things to look towards that. There's also been real work and real research. Uh, these are not things that are sparked up overnight uh, just to prepare folks and equip folks to what this may look like, like right, right now. And then in this, vehicle and container, we can build up our muscles and our skills to do the more transformative work, not only of our city, but the society at large. So it seems like the next step is this training, correct? What should folks know? I know we said we'll put it in the show notes, but what else should they know about the training? Yeah, I can give like a little agenda preview if that's helpful. (laughs) Ergo exclusive. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so we really want to, you know, start by talking with folks about what is abolition and creating some space for folks to ground in that lens. You know, the defund the CPD, the defund the police fight is firmly rooted in that. And we want people to understand why. We'll go over some of these demands and just generally like the pathway to winning uh, defunding the police in Chicago, what that means we have to do, how many people we have to mobilize uh, in Chicago. Um, yeah, we'll like train people on getting really good at talking about this and bringing people in their lives into the fight, going over lots of different ways people can take action and then, yeah, plug people into doing the work. Beautiful. And, you know, as we mentioned up top, kind of in conversation with that, what we're going to be doing here on the show over the next few weeks 
is in conversation with folks who are at kind of the one who have been developing the frameworks to understand abolition for decades. And and two in this moment are, as is the case with all this, the people we should be listening to about how do we, how do we bring these things to the next stage toward reality? Um, So we're going to be doing that here on the show. You should be at the training uh, next weekend. Make sure you sign up. Dame, anything you want to add? Yeah. I just want to, you know, uplift that, that, you know, we are centering and affirming Black leadership, particularly Black leadership that has already been developing and existing, but we also want to to nurture um, and support the emergence of of new and developing leadership amongst Black people. Um, and so I should probably speak to the logistics a little bit better than I am, but there are three different days of the same training in three different spaces. Um, and so the South and West Side trainings are intended to be Black spaces, uh, and the North Side spaces for is intended to to make more room for for White and non Black people uh, and other. Uh, indigenous and POC folks. How convenient! How convenient of Chicago to be so simple. That was really helpful. <laughs> and so with that, right? Like, there's this kind of weird conundrum that, like, podcast face, social media at large face, right? Is that like white people see things way more and show up very eagerly to things that like are on podcast or on Twitter, uh, and so. Y'all are not not invited. Go to the north side, do your thing. Uh, but we're really trying to encourage anybody who's black who's listening uh, to please come out if you can, or push it out to your, your your black people or young black people who are really you see starting to think through these ideas or starting to find their voice um, in this struggle for liberation. We're really trying to make space to offer direction and nurturing and start to build some relationships. And this is really a vehicle and container for sustained work moving forward so this is really a way people always say how do i plug in and it's usually very very hard to answer uh and so really (laughs) right now this week we have the best answer i've had in a very long time this is where you plug in (laughs) i just heard like a collective sigh of about 150 that like (sighs) now it's on them they got to show up Cool. So that info will be in the show notes. It's also if you follow Ergo and Let Us Breathe and Damon and Asha on on socials, the info will be posted there. Asha, any other way that you want folks to find you and your work in relation to this or just in general? Come to the trainings. I'll be there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You can come talk to me. Um, Yeah, but but I'm also on Twitter at Asha Poesis. Perfect. I'm at Ergo Kiss. I'm at Damon underscore AF. And... We'll be back on the line uh, talking abolition, talking defunding CPD over the next few weeks. uh, And we're excited to be bringing that to y'all. Much less to the people. Peace. Peace, y'all. Hey, Dame. What's up, Kiss? I want you to meet my friend Miriam here. Hey, Miriam. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. Miriam is my oldest friend in the world. The whole world. And she is a devoted podcast listener. Are you? I am. Oh, well, that's love. I don't even just, I don't mean our podcast. I just mean podcasts in general. Okay. I love podcasts. How, how do you usually find your podcast? What do you listen to them on? <sighs> the iTunes mm. app. Yeah, I know. Very basic. You're not thrilled with it? It isn't the best. Well, the good news is we actually have a recommendation for you. Oh, yeah? Well, Ergo is sponsored by Overcast. It's an independent podcast app that embraces the open world of podcasting instead of locking it down. Man, it's for the people. No exclusives, no premium content. No paywalls, just a great podcast app for everyone. Get it free in the app store where you get all the other things. That yeah. You're going to yeah. check it out? Sounds amazing. Cool. We won you over. Look how effective this ad is. <gasps> yeah. Pay, pay us more money, folks. <laughs> <laughs>
That's that's advertising in action. You see? Works. <laughs> see, that's how good we are at selling things. We're doing this. Hey, yo, Harold, hit me up, man. I am an advocate and I can market your stuff because look how great we just marketed Overcast. We just gave an ad for them and an ad for us. I think it's time to get the fuck out of here. Let's do it.